Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Goals on Film, Edge of the Crowd's dedicated sports movies podcast. I'm your host, Jason, and I've got Stewie and Kieran joining me this week. How are the both of you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, good to be back on Goals on Film for the first time since King Richard, I think. I'm doing well, thanks, mate. Um, World Cup time. Very excited to be talking about a soccer movie. Um, we got some better soccer movies coming up, but uh, this one will do for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that is right. World Cup is coming up and we have done a soccer movie before on this podcast. This is our second one. We have done Bend It Like Beckham. So if you do want to listen to that one after you've finished listening to this one, I, I definitely recommend it. But we will get into this week's episode and we're actually rebranding uh, the podcast name this week. We're going to rebrand it to goals on film such is the nature of the event that's happening on sunday morning but also the film selection for this episode and i mean yeah we'll get into the episode now and i mean i'm sure we'll talk about how excited we are for the world cup and stewie i know that you've told me about uh your sleep schedule um that'll just be completely messed up within the next four weeks Mm -hmm. but We will get into that episode, and this week we are taking a look at 2005 football drama, Goal, The Dream Begins. It is the first of a trilogy, and I also know that we might speak a bit on the sequels, but for today we will be discussing the one that started it all. I'll give you a bit of a synopsis. The film centres on Santiago Munez, a young immigrant living in the barrios of Los Angeles with his family, who holds multiple jobs as a chef and a gardener, but has the dream of being a footballer, much to the disapproval of his father. Upon an ex-pro player and former Newcastle United scout, Glenn Foy, noticing him at a local park match and being impressed with his abilities, he arranges for Santiago to have a trial run with the English Premier League club. Santiago takes off to England with the help from his grandmother in order to try out for the team. Initially, it doesn't pan out well, but is given a couple of extra chances to show the coaches the talent that he possesses, making his way into the reserves and building towards the main team. He earns some minutes in the penultimate game of the season before getting the starting duties in the final game of the season, combining well with Gavin Harris, who has taken Santiago under his wing throughout the uh, stretch of games, to get Newcastle over the line against Liverpool and into the Champions League. So with that all in mind, and Stewie, yes, I did purposely name drop Liverpool there, but it's in <laughs> important i feel how did you find the film <laughs> um so the movie's called gold the dream begins um i wish the dream ended right there you know um i guess th- that's all i gotta say about this movie there's some bad there's some bad acting um it suffers from the sports trope i don't think it's as lazy as some of the other ones that we've uh, covered in the last few weeks but still it's it's not a great watch you agree with me don't you kieran well this was actually funded by fifa partly back in the day. So, I mean, this has got to go down as one of their, their biggest wastes of money until the Qatar World Cup, doesn't it? That's saying something, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, it, I don't know if it achieved what anybody, in it, especially like as a sequel, as a franchise, I don't think it achieved what anybody really wanted it to achieve. So, I mean, it's fine. It's watchable. It's it's very long for, for the story that it is. It could have easily had half an hour cut out of it, but um, it's not boring. It's just... um got a lot going on for, for, for what it needs to do yeah absolutely i mean i'm sure that we'll get into it a bit later on as well but i th- i found it like yeah really like the pace of it was like you know 
really messy a lot of the yeah. times. Um, and I think like, especially with like the scenes of the actual sport, and I know that we'll get to how it depicted the sport a bit later as well, but I feel like, you know, those were a bit like unrealistic, similar um, to sort of the story being unrealistic of like, you know, Santiago going to Newcastle um, and just, you know, rocking up and being like, hey, give me a trial. And within a couple of weeks is playing for the first team. So I think that like a lot of this movie is unrealistic. Um, like it's a good story. Um, you know, it has everything that you might want in a story, but I think like the execution of it and how it was properly like filmed and depicted and acted out. Um, I think that, you know, sort of made it fall down um, by the wayside and um, by all accounts, I guess, like the sequels are like that as well. But, uh, you know, like, yeah, I think like, yeah, this one was probably like the best out of the whole trilogy. Um, this is obviously where it all began, but I think that, you know, it's sort of like you saw the foundations for how sort of like, yeah, messy, like this movie could be and like the um, extra sort of like uh, movies after this might be as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird that it looks so unrealistic because they actually filmed a lot of the action at real games, but just the angles of it are all off. And it looks like it looks like they're on green screen when they're not. And I don't know. By the time this movie came out, FIFA games would be coming out for ten years. So I think the best way to film that would have been like a FIFA game, like from above. And so then you could see what he's doing. You don't you don't really have a clue what he's actually doing when he's on the field. You don't know where he is or like where he's got the ball. Like it's just um. Yeah, it's messy. It feels it feels worse. If you were actually on the field, you would have a better view of what's happening than you do watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, to Kieran's point and your point too, Jace, um, the scenes are, I guess, messy is the word we're going for. Um, and the cuts, right? It's yeah. so obviously not the actor doing these stepovers and, and tricks with the ball and stuff too. And uh, you and I were saying just before it started, Kieran, and I know you and I were saying last night, Jason, that uh, that free kick run up was a stinker and that was a dead giveaway that uh, he wasn't yeah. doing any of that stuff on the pitch. And you compare it to the, the Bennett like Beckham players. I mean, they trained with, with um, university squads for I think a year leading up to that movie or something like that. But you can tell they, they have some idea how to play and they have the basics down right. Like they, mm-hmm. Kieran Knightley looks like she could play. And I don't know why she hasn't done a charity match in real life because that would bring the house down. But um, <laughs> you can tell that, yeah, this movie just looks, it just looks off. He doesn't look that good. And if he doesn't look that good, then you can't buy anything that's happening to him in the movie. You can't buy this as a prodigy because he has to look unbelievable. Like um, like my jersey, like the Mighty Ducks. You buy that Adam Banks is just unbelievable when he comes into that team. And the Knucklebutt kid, you get that he's good. I don't get that Santiago Munez is good. I just don't see it when I'm watching this movie. And it's partly because of the way it's shot and it's partly because he's clearly not, he's obviously not an elite footballer. He's, he's barely an elite actor, Kuno Becker, God bless him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Before we move on, because we have been talking about like how this movie could have potentially been, you know, like the sort of, um, you know, how we sort of envisioned it, like how much better it could have been. Um, you know, like this movie originally had a different director. Um, and so Michael Winterbottom was the first director to um, be on board with uh, this sort of movie. And uh, under his direction, two nights of filming were done at Darlington's football stadium. The first night was supposed to be Newcastle reserves against Darlington reserves. And the second night was Newcastle's main team against Marseille with the intention of digitally transferring the pitch and players into a packed St. James Park, which is Newcastle's home ground. 
Soon after, the producers saw what footage had been shot and found that director Michael Winterbottom was making it more of a drama documentary rather than a straight drama as they wanted. They sacked the cast and crew and brought in Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenais um, to write the script and Danny Cannon to direct. So obviously some people weren't happy with uh, the re- original direction um, that Michael Winterbottom was trying to go for. Danny Cannon came in to direct it, but uh, as we've sort of just said there as well, like we weren't really happy with the direction that he took. Yeah, it's interesting that the original director, Michael Winterbottom, was shooting it in like a, a drama mockumentary style, I suppose. I don't know if that's the correct term if you're going to do it as a drama, but that kind of vibe, I, I reckon that might have made this a little bit more watchable. Yeah, it would have been good. It would have at least made it would have at least made his his story and his his tension work a little bit better because it just sort of feels like it's just one thing after another with him and it doesn't feel natural at all. Like it just, you know, he loses inhaler, he goes on a night out. Like it's just, they're just sort of just throwing stuff at the wall that happened to occasional footballers and making it all happen to this one kid. And it just feels completely not even soap opera or sitcom. It's just, it just doesn't feel realistic at all. So a different style would have, would have really worked. So you were just talking about the all all the trials and tribulations that poor Santi goes through during this movie, right? And uh, too many trials and tribulations. Just cut like three <laughs> of them out. It's too many things. So it played out like a video game, right? That's yeah. what I was just thinking. And then back in the day, FIFA had like a story mode, my player, and I reckon they've just lifted goal and put it in the video game or they've taken it from the video game and thought we can make a movie out of this. Yeah. I reckon other way around. I reckon that FIFA looked at this movie and went, this is not great, but we can make a game out of this. <laughs> this case came out around, around the time I stopped playing FIFA games, I reckon. So they, they didn't have, they didn't have story mode then they had career mode where you could take charge of a team. But yeah. Yeah. I reckon, I reckon they've done that the other way around. I reckon FIFA have looked at it and gone, this movie is, is bollocks, but we can make something out of this. It's got the bones of something good. Yeah, yeah. We will move on now and we will look at references to history. And Kieran, you have a bit of information about real-life equivalents of Santiago Munez's story. Yeah, I mean, sort of. I mean, none of them are illegal immigrants to America that moved to England, which is a whole other part of the movie that just complicates it needlessly. Because how's he getting a passport and how's he getting a work permit? We know that the English Premier League's tough with that. But that's beside the point. Um, There's been players that have sort of just appeared at clubs at trials and become superstars. And some that probably shouldn't have been and some that that became all-time great so George Best from Manchester United is an absolute legend I think he's the best number seven of all time at the club uh, at the age of 15 he was spotted in Belfast playing basically a, a park game like Santiago is in the movie and um, the, the the scout phoned Matt Busby and said I found a genius and that was pretty much it he went to Man United a year later and became an all-time legend and then there's JJ Okocha so this is a player that's worth YouTubing he's just one of the, the most brilliant footballers of all time just all tricks and flicks and ridiculous goals. He was just like, the, the pitch was his playground. So he went to training with a friend of his in a third division club in Germany and just to um, accompany him there. They had numbers and then he asked to join in and um, he got offered a professional deal the next day. So he went from the third division in Germany to um, first division to, he played all over the world, Paris Saint-Germain, Bolton in England. Uh, I think two or three World Cups, three World Cups, I think. Uh, anyway, he's an all-time great, and he just rocked up one day at training at a professional club and then joined as a professional the next day. And then there's the ones that didn't quite work out. So there's um, the famous one, Bebe, at Manchester United. Um, his story's a little bit interesting because um, no one actually knows how he got signed, but he was playing 
in the Homeless World Cup a couple of years before Manchester United paid $7 million for him. And the manager had never seen him play. So this is a bit like goal where the manager hadn't seen him play a full match and just went, oh, we'll give him a crack. So £7 million they paid for a guy that, that Alex Ferguson never actually watched play. So it, it can happen. And then there's my favourite one is Ali Dia. So if you haven't heard of this guy, um, he basically, no one knows what happened. But the rumour is that he called up, he pretended to be George Weir, this great soccer player in Italy. He was a Ballon d'Or winner at the time. So he rang up Graham Souness at Southampton and pretended to be this guy and said, you have to have a look at my cousin. He's fantastic. Uh, he's not. But the Southampton gave him a, a trial, put him on the bench for a game because they had too many injuries, exactly like what's happened in goal. He came on like Santiago does in the movie, but absolutely stunk up the joint and everyone could tell he wasn't a professional player. He was just some guy who lied his way into a job and he was dragged minutes later. Um, you can watch his entire career on YouTube in its entirety. It's, um, it's about 10 minutes long. It's pretty funny that he managed to pull this off and like it's one of those all-time historical great um, griffs in football history. They managed to give this guy a professional contract when he um, had no way of earning it. They just rocked up and said, can I have one, please? Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so goal is unrealistic, but at the time it was made, it was about 10 years removed from most of these stories. So, I mean, this was happening at one point in professional football. What a rough look for Graham Sooners. Yeah, you got to <laughs> check out my cousin. Okay, no worries. <laughs> yeah. Well, he said that he played, he played five games for Senegal and... Um, Again, he just made it all up. He just rang up and, yeah, he just, George Weir says he's never heard of the guy, doesn't know, doesn't even know who Graham Sooners is. So, yeah, yeah, it's um, a brilliant story. I mean, if you, I reckon if I lied my end to Paris Saint-Germain's team now with Messi and Neymar, I reckon I could score a goal. So, I mean, I think he just picked the wrong team. <laughs> Where's the movie about that guy? That's the movie I want to see. Exactly. Yeah, that's 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 the guy. The guy who grips his way into teams is much much better than um than this this wonder kid who's not really. Uh, leading on from that, I have a bit of information about maybe uh, art imitating real life. Um, in 2021, so just last year, Newcastle United fans actually had to do a double take uh, after the club uh, announced the signing of a particular player, a young Mexican striker um, that they signed on deadline day because he had the name Santiago Munoz. Um, and he joins uh, the club from Santos Laguna on an 18-month loan with an option to buy. He was a youth international. Um, he made his club debut for Santos Laguna in 2020, scored three goals in 13 league games. Um, and yeah, Newcastle United signed him, and a lot of fans were comparing that to Santiago Munez. That's incredible. What are the chances, mate? One one letter off. Imagine if his name was Santiago Munez. That would have been uh, wild. That sounds would have gone through the roof. Realistically, though, Garan Kowal's the real Santiago Munez at the moment. He's he hasn't started a game. He's been signed by Newcastle United. He's going to a World Cup. Um, he's as close as you get in real life to, to this guy in the movie. That's a terrific shout, Kieran. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he's, even, he's even from a, a refugee family. So, I mean, it's it's like, it's actually, that's the guy, is, is Garan Kual. Hopefully his stepovers look a bit more authentic. He doesn't need them. He just hits the ball. All right, moving on. Uh, Kieran, you mentioned this a little bit before, but uh, the film series and this movie, obviously, does use yeah. team supply or sponsored <laughs> Adidas for the main characters' teams. And um, the producers actually came to an agreement, or if the producers had come to an agreement with Nike, their teams would have been used instead. 
Um, but yeah, Adidas's sort of like movie brand deal, um, it was worth $50 million um, and it remains the biggest ever arrangement between a brand and a movie company. Um, you also mentioned there that it had the support from FIFA. And uh, yeah, I guess like these sorts of partnerships are what sort of prompted it to have a couple of sequels. And then, um, you know, in the second movie, Santiago's playing for Real Madrid as well. And they're made by Adidas. And so, you know, you'll see a lot of like Adidas branding um, in the movie. And it's all because of this partnership, this deal. And David, you could see David Beckham at the time as well, who was all the Adidas athletes that make like those little cameos. You don't get that if you're, um, say, with Puma. I don't even know who Puma had at the time. Yeah, I guess like, yeah, the cooperation with FIFA, it enabled the inclusion of fifth pro likeness um, of real teams and players. Um, and so I guess, yeah, that we talked about it at the start as well in terms of like how they were able to accurately um, project or depict that, you know, there were real players playing on the pitch, um, you know, maybe not, you know, off to the side, but, you know, definitely on the pitch. And so um, that's where FIFA... Uh, came into it as well i bet that that kind of seemed like a great idea at the time and we talked about this a little bit more before we started recording and i know you got um stuff to add to this kieran but for me personally like it's just being soccer fans right you know the players okay and then you're watching on the sidelines and in the race and all the rest of it and it's actors and then it switches to the real players and then you made some good points too, Kieran, um, about some of the scenarios in the games and uh, how unrealistic it was that uh, some of the players weren't uh, weren't involved, shall we say? I mean, like, there's there's two penalty kicks. No, one penalty kick. Is there two penalty kicks? There's a couple anyway. If you're at Newcastle United in the nineties, the only the only man on the field that's taking that kick is Alan Shearer. The only man in England that's taking a penalty kick is Alan Shearer if it comes up. There's no way that the new signing Gavin Harris is taking one, no matter how big he is. And there's no way that Santiago Munez is taking a shot in the last minute of the game when Alan Shearer is in the middle. Even if it goes in, Shearer is going to go at him after the game. Oh, oh Harris, free kick here in a very dangerous oh, area. Oh, referee, him took him down. Give him a card, man. Well, a real chance for Newcastle, this. But who's going to take it? Hey, Santi. Well, I hope they know what they're doing. It's young Santiago Munez who's stepping up with only seconds left to play. And he must feel that the hopes of an entire city are resting on his shoulders. Come on, come on, come on. The other problem is that it dates it really quickly. So, like, I was a big Real Madrid fan when I was a kid. I didn't recognize Raul when he appeared in this movie because it's been 
15 years or whatever since it came out. Hey, let me introduce my mates. That's Sisu. Hola. This is Raul Santiago Munez. Hola. Un gustazo. ¿Qué haces con este? Eh, él es el del coche. Sí. ¿Qué más que ir? Bueno, mucho gusto. Mucho gusto, eh. Está bien. Mucha suerte. Gracias. Take care, yeah. See you later. So, I think if you use fake teams like any given Sunday does that feel real, then you can sort of project who you think that would be onto it. And it doesn't date the movie within a couple of seasons because football moves fast. That's an interesting point that you make about the, the real teams because I'm of the opinion that the real teams kind of add to the authenticity. But you, you've made me think there, and uh, I don't know if it's a rule I'd like to have on all sports movies, but particularly soccer movies because, as you said, soccer moves fast, right? Um, yeah. I... I it kind of doesn't work, I guess. Yeah. And if it was Nike, apparently it was going to be Arsenal, Barcelona, Brazil were going to be the, the team because the last movie isn't set in the World Cup. So he's going to move to Arsenal, then he's going to move to Barcelona, he's going to move to then play for Brazil in the World Cup. He's going to be a Brazilian kid, which might have worked better because historically those teams have had a little bit more cultural staying power than Newcastle did in 2005. And even Real Madrid's team of that era, because Barcelona were, were huge. They had Ronaldinho and all that sort of stuff. And then Brazil is Brazil. It's not, it's not Mexico at a World Cup. So it might have worked out better if it had been Nike doing the sponsorship. The movie might have more staying power because just, you know, as iconic as Zidane Zidane is, he's not much of a screen presence. And David Beckham's not much of an actor. Santiago. Congratulations. You were amazing today. Oh, thanks. My whole family. But we've seen Ronaldinho in that Nike ad that came out today. That's a that's a, a computer generated Ronaldinho, and he's like he just has screen presence where Beckham doesn't. So just the twist of fate, it might have ended up a better movie. It had been a Nike movie. You've mentioned the final scene uh, where Santiago scores the winner. I won't say against the team uh, that he doesn't, <laughs> Stewie. <laughs> um, but you've, you've all sort of like, and this like leads into how the film depicts the sport as well, but you've all mentioned like uh, Santiago's run-up, um, who might take the kick um, in, you know, the sort of like real-life circumstances as well. But it wasn't even Kuno Becker who took that shot. Uh, it was actually Laurent Robert in real life. And this is noticeable by Santiago being a right-footed player throughout the movie. And in this particular scene, whoever it is uh, shoots with his left foot. And so uh, Laurent Robert was basically the star of the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was pretty much that player at the climax of the film that scored that uh, free kick, that goal, and what the film did, they actually reworked one of his own goals, um, a free kick that he netted for Newcastle against the Reds in the Premier League on the 5th of March 2005. Uh, Newcastle won the game 1-0. Um, it only helped the uh, Magpies limp to a 14th place finish, so somewhat short of uh, a Champions League heroic win in the movie. But, uh, yeah, so they basically used the footage of... Uh, Laurent Robert in real life um, for this particular kick. Oh, geez, you it know, looks so bad. The fact that, <laughs> the fact that Santi is a right footer and this Lauren Robert is a left footer, 
they didn't fucking try, did they? They, they just didn't care. They're like, oh, we just need to get it. He's a left foot. It doesn't matter. I just want to get this done and get on to the next one. Yeah, yep. it's hard to care. Nah, they don't. Uh, when they don't have, you know, when the when the makers of the movie don't care, it's hard for a uh, for a viewer to care. Yeah. It's hard to get invested in this movie. I mean, the only, the only part of the movie that really gets you emotionally is the, the stuff with his father watching him play and then dying. But again, it felt like one too many things in the movie. Like, you know, by that time he's, he's had ups and downs about six times and he's had this thing with the nurse. And by the time that happens, he's like, just get to, get to something to do with football. This has just been one too many things. But that's the only part of the movie that actually works on an emotional level too. So I don't know what else they can cut. I, I agree that the stuff with his dad works on an emotional level, right? But this killed me last night. That last <laughs> scene where he's like, you know, the game against Fulham. Yeah. My dad watched. And then. He... Hey, Dad. You know what I played against Fulham? My dad saw the game. He saw me play, man. He's probably watching you right now. Oh, just that killed that whole storyline for me. I yeah. was with it the whole time. And then that happened. I was like, it would have been better it. if he never knew, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That just works. They wanted to give it his, his Adrian moment from Rocky. That's what that was meant to be. And it just falls so short of, of that. It's just, um, it's clumsily handled. But that's up until that point, it's the only part of the movie that works. But if you never knew that his dad saw him, it would have sort of left it there. They could have done something about it in the sequel. They just, they just, shoot all their shots in this first movie and then the sequels just go straight down. <laughs> so like, I'm of the opinion that like, you know, like I reckon you could have kept that in, but like maybe not in the way that he sort of reacted or like yelled out the information to the Glenn. <laughs> um, like, you know, like make it a bit more personal, make it a bit more face-to-face, make it a bit more emotional, be like, my dad, he, he watched me play like, and not just like yell it or like, you know, the um, perfect, uh, you know, um, line that you said, yeah. Stewie. Um, the way that you said that, it was pretty much spot on. <laughs> Needed a quieter moment for 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 someone to handle their emotions like that, didn't it? Like Absolutely. a good a director and a better actor might have been able to deliver that. And if it was like a better actor, they maybe would have got had a note and said, maybe that's not the way that this character would behave. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, a quieter moment would have sold that much better. All right, we'll move on now and we'll look at how well the film depicts the sport. And I think that we've talked through this quite a bit, but, you know, here we can talk about the game on the pitch. We can talk about the background sort of stuff and, you know, all stuff that we have talked about um, before on this uh, particular episode, but we might touch on some of the other things as well. Um, And I'll first start by Kieran, you sort of uh, referenced this at the start as well, just in terms of like people playing in the English Premier League, if you're from outside, of Europe. Um, and so in order to do this, you do need to have a work permit and you can automatically qualify for one if you've played uh, 75% of your national team's matches in the past year. Otherwise, you have to go to a tribunal where it has to be shown that you're an outstanding talent um, that is worthy of a permit. And uh, basically, since he had to beg for a trial. Oh, 
Is that the manager? Eric Dornhelm. Mr. Dornhelm. A bit intimidating, mate. Straight look him in the eye. I don't think my look will make a difference. It'll be my feet. Mr. Dornhelm, excuse me. Glenn Foy. This is the young man I was telling you about. Hi. From Los Angeles. Santiago Munez. What was this? When I phoned you in the middle of the night, you promised to give him a trial. Yes. Uh, one minute, please. Um, where do you play? Los Angeles. Uh, I think. I mean, position. Yeah, uh, for my team, I play up front, but I prefer midfield. That way, I see more of the ball. Get him over to the training ground. Let's see what he's got. Will do. Thank All you right. very much. It would have been highly unlikely that he would win that decision in a tribunal. Um, I don't know if that is still the case now or if that was the case back in 2005. But, uh, yeah, it's really interesting to see, like, how, you know, the film, you know, basically bypassed this fact. Yeah, ignores it completely. But, like, plus, that's why I think it's got too much stuff going on. If they didn't make him an illegal immigrant, just made him a refugee or just an immigrant to America, then he would have had a passport. Then he would have been able to play national team games at some level or, you know, done college trials, done something to get... Just, just little tweaks would have made this movie make a whole lot more sense. The city rolled up to, to, to England. He's got a passport. Where he's got one, I don't know. And, it, uh, yeah, the work permit thing is an issue in real life. Almost every transfer. That's why Grand Koala's probably going to have to go out on loan to another country for, for a while and get his caps up for Australia. So it's not... It's, a, it's an issue known to anyone who would be eager to watch this movie. Like, mm-hmm. if you were keen to watch this movie when it came out, you would be a football fan and you would know all this stuff. So it's bizarre that they they make that a non-issue when everyone knows it would be. We, we've all been pretty down on this movie so far. So I'm just going to try and, you know, liven things up a bit here. I did like the, uh, I like the setting of St. James's Park. I think it's, you know, just quietly one of the best stadiums in the Premier League. Um, Newcastle famously have like a, a rabid supporter base. And I think they they captured that relatively well. Not perfectly, but they captured it pretty well. And uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to say something nice because I don't think I'm going to say anything else nice for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> i got something nice to say, actually. Soundtrack of this movie absolutely rocks. This is the soundtrack rules. Oasis, Kasabian, all that, like that Britpop. Yeah, this soundtrack is good. I actually bought this on CD when it came out. I remember I loved it. It was such a good soundtrack album. So... They've got that part right. But I reckon they make Newcastle look like an absolute shithole of a place to live, though. It's just raining and murky and <laughs> like it's not, it doesn't look great. Yeah, it's definitely not a great tourist uh, tourist video, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Tourism video. But, yeah, you're right. There are things to like about They do get the atmosphere of, of a Premier League game right, if nothing else. Yeah. The last bit that I have in terms of like the background sort of stuff or like how things might operate, um, you know, the processes behind certain things in soccer competitions um, is that in the story, Newcastle will have three matches left and they are trying to qualify for a place um, in the Champions League. And so logically it's the end of the season. And yet we see Newcastle sign Gavin Harris around the same time so that they could win the remaining matches essentially. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a very good day for the club. Gavin is a very gifted player and should fit in very well with our setup here at St. James's Park. I'm very pleased to present him 
puedes. Winning the leagues are out of sight, Eric. What are your realistic goals for the rest of the season? Well, finishing in the first four and qualifying for Europe. Yeah. I think it's essential for a club like this. To do that, you're going to have to take maximum points from your next few games. Um, look, the club has had some problems lately, yeah? But, um... I'm here now, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm not in it for fame or money or anything like that. Um, I like to win matches. So maximum points shouldn't be a problem. Hey, boss. And this is virtually impossible because a club can only sign a player in the summer or the winter breaks, um, those sort of windows there. And so they can sign a player during the season, but they would not be eligible to play for the new club. And so therefore uh, Newcastle sort of signed Gavin Harris um, in this way and when uh, they wouldn't have uh, usually been allowed to. Yeah. Yeah, where's the transfer window, man? Yeah, Once I again. mean, if he was a free agent, it would have worked, but he would have to be like, it'd have to be really unusual for a player that's supposed to be a superstar to be a free agent at that time of the year. To Kieran's point, you know, if you're going to this movie in 2005 and you're keen to watch it and you're pumped or whatever, you're a soccer fan and you know all these things. <laughs> so it just makes it even harder. It's a, it's a harder pill to swallow. All right. Well, in talking about how well the film depicts the sport, but also leading on to our next segment where we're looking at the cast list, there were quite a few prominent cameos in this movie. Stuart, do you perhaps want to run us through some of them that you saw? Yeah, sure. I think we've kind of touched on the main ones already. Um, there was a bunch of Liverpool players in that last game that we're not going to talk about anymore. Uh, Alan Shearer is in there. David Beckham, Zinedine Zidane, Raul... Um, I'm sure there's others that I'm missing. I think Rafa Benitez was in it as well. Yeah, he's uh, in it for a shot yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, they're the ones that spring to mind. Anyway, um, you guys think of any that I missed? I got a kick out of seeing Patrick Clivert. I thought he was a great player back in the day. So oh, that was. Cool I forgot that he, that he played game. for Newcastle. Uh, I was like, Clive, yeah, he didn't, really? didn't play very long or very well. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, do you know where this, this, this movie would have worked in this era at Leeds United with all the young kids that they had and all the ones that liked being famous footballers? It would have mm-hmm. really worked at Leeds in that period like Harry Kuehl and Alan Smith and Michael Bridges, all those guys who just loved being famous footballers. It would have worked there. Newcastle is just not the right setting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, a couple of the other uh, footballing cameos that I have down here are that uh, Newcastle players at the time, uh, Lee Bauer, Jermaine Genus, and Stefan Carr, um, all appeared in the film as Santiago's teammates. Um, and, you know, we've touched on um, Alan Shearer as well. Um, apparently, I don't know, you know, I wouldn't have been looking out for them, um, but apparently Stephen Gerrard and Frank Lampard also made appearances, as did young stars Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Yeah, right. I, I didn't see Ronaldo or Messi. And I only seen Steven Jarrett on the pitch. I might have missed Frank Lampard. I know they play a game against Chelsea, so maybe that's where he rocks up. But yeah, I didn't see I, didn't I don't see know where Messi would have fit in. It would have had to have been been in the nightclub scene or something, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I've got no idea either. I wouldn't have been able to I mean I didn't see him in the movie, didn't point them out or anything. So I don't know how true that is. But uh yeah. Uh Messi would have been about fifteen at the time, wouldn't he? Mm. Would have been a bit yeah, yeah oh, eight, 17, 18. He definitely wasn't messy though in 2005. No, yeah. 
like the Messi that yeah. we know now, he definitely wasn't that then. So that's an odd one. Maybe, um, maybe in the sequels, maybe they rock up in the sequels, perhaps. Oh, could yeah, do. Third one's at the World Cup, so it could be that. Ignore that then. Third one's a dog's breakfast, though. That movie's awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other one that I'll just touch on before we move into the cast itself is Martin Tyler, um, who's like oh. broadcaster, the commentator, of course. This really is the final countdown for Newcastle United. Only three games left this season, and to qualify for Europe in the Champions League and all the riches that goes with that, they'll have to win them all. Starting today, never an easy team to beat Chelsea. Well coached, well drilled. They certainly are. You know, such an iconic voice. Um, it reminded me, I mean, obviously, growing up playing the FIFA games and that was like where a lot of like my like soccer knowledge came from. Um, and so, you know, hearing his voice on in this movie, it like just reminded me back to those games, playing those games. And, you know, you just do sort of appreciate that he is like one of uh, English footballs and I guess like world football's uh, best commentators. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It was uh, it was great having uh, Martin Tyler. There was probably only two or three commentators that you could have in that role that would be so recognisable. But I think for that time period, he's he was definitely the best choice. Yeah, there's like a co-commentator with him. I don't know who it is, but he gets like one line where he says, uh, I agree or something like that. He gets like one line, that's it for the whole movie. So he must have cut all his stuff out and just left Martin Tyler in. All right, we'll go on to the cast list now. And... There weren't many, but like these were the main uh, sort of five that I picked out. And so we had Kuno Becker as Santiago Munez, Alessandro Nivola as Gavin Harris, Stefan Dillian as, as Glenn Foy, Marcel uh, Urest as Eric Dornhelm, and Anna Friel as Ros Harmison. And so looking at that cast list, and you can make mention of anyone else that you want to as well, uh, how did you feel that the uh, actors portrayed their particular characters? Kieran, we'll go to you first. Uh, I was really interested to say that that Kuno Becker got the role after Diego Luna dropped out. So if in an alternate universe Diego Luna does this, his career's over. We don't get Andor and we don't get uh, Star Wars Rogue One. So um, I'm glad that Diego Luna dropped out. But it's Kuno Becker. He, he's got some moments, doesn't he? Like he's all right in some parts of it, in the smaller moments. But um, he's not a movie star. Like he's not able to carry the whole movie on his shoulders, is he? No, not at all. I really like the dad, though. I thought the dad was was great. The guy, the actor who played the dad, was really good. To your Kuno Becker point, Kieran, I think you're being very kind there. Um, he uh, <laughs> he really really struggles um, through the entire movie. He's just terrible. <laughs> the dad, um, <laughs> the dad is. Um, I don't know the actor's name, but the dad is like quite, he's quite a prominent um, actor, isn't he? I've seen him in other, he's one of those that guys, you know, like he's yeah. that guy from something and that. He's, like, I've seen him in other things, but I think he was the, the, the only one who was really, Glenn Foy was all right. The guy who played Glenn Foy, I believed him. His accent was a little bit wobbly. I don't really know if he was supposed to be Scottish or from Newcastle, but um, yeah, I, you're right. I was being generous to Kuno Becker. Um, he's, he's no good. He's <laughs> <laughs> just no good. Yeah. I don't know. That, that's your casting director's fault and the director's fault for, for picking a guy who can't play football and who has no on-screen charisma. Like, if you look at, like, an absolute movie star, the second you see him, you know. Like, 
like the first Black Panther movie, Chadwick Boseman wasn't famous at the time. He'd been in a few things, but as soon as he walks on the screen, he's like, that's a movie star. Kuna Becker walks on the screen and you're like, uh, what's this guy yeah. doing here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if he was a phenomenal player, then that would have made sense. But he's not, like, that's a CGI in all of his moves. Yeah. So what's he doing there? <laughs> what did yeah, you I think, Jace? Yeah, well, I find it interesting that you are talking about Kuno Becker. Like, I do agree with you um, on, you know, both fronts in terms of, like, him playing football, him acting. Um, but I feel like the story behind, like, him getting an audition and then, like, him subsequently getting the role is a really interesting one as well. And uh, he said that uh, in terms of the audition, like, he had to audition as, you know, both an actor and as a soccer player as well um you know he had to prove that he was able to do both and he said that uh the soccer wise it was really really hard because he'd played a bit as a kid but not anything professional like he was more of a like classical arts person i think he played like the violin um and so like he was sort of a musician um more than he was an actor and you know i guess like yeah footballer as well and so he had to do a couple of auditions uh, um like normal auditions and then when he got the role um the people asked him, oh, so can you play soccer? And he was like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, whatever. I can play soccer. Like, so he had like, he sort of tried to give off that he could, um, I think, because, <laughs> you know, like it obviously wasn't translating well into the movie. But uh, he did actually have to audition with the real Newcastle United team. Um, he did that for a couple of weeks. And during that training uh, period, he actually broke his ankles because, as he says, I was training so hard, so many hours a day that I had a stress fracture, fracture, so I couldn't even walk, forget about playing soccer. That was the uh, harsh realities of being a professional soccer player for Kuno Becker. That sounds like an excuse to get out of training to me. I think he was getting embarrassed. <laughs> he just went, oh, I'm injured. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he played soccer like he was a musician, so, yep. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's not fair. If he was a, if he played soccer like he was a musician, he would have had some rhythm. He would have had some, <laughs> some balance. You see, you see a violinist; they they can they've got some balance. They know how to hold their body, and you know, if you hold your body in the wrong way, the violin doesn't sound right. He looked like he was going to fall over when he was standing still. Like this guy, <laughs> this guy looked like he was trying to play on ice. He was just a mess. Um, but yeah, I think that like you know, Alessandro Nivola as Gavin Harris, like he definitely played like you know the bad boy influence soccer player, like the guy that just comes, gets signed by the team, thinks he's like top shit, and so like you know he, I think that Alessandro conveyed like that sort of character really well, and like you definitely get those types of people in um, those sorts of environments as well, who just like come in and expect to like you know have everyone love you, um, and you know feel like you're like the king of the place. And so I think that, you know, Gavin Harris as a character uh, was, you know, allowed to do that. Um, and so, you know, we got that a couple of times and, you know, like as much as like he kept on like covering for Santiago, you know, taking the blame, you know, after the fact of, you know, these uh, big scandals. But like, I think that, yeah, just like his party boy image, um, I think like, like conveyed really well, like for the character that he was meant to be. I think he, I think he played the character well. His character inadvertently did give me some of my greatest joy watching this movie, and it was just random people on the street calling him shite all the time. Yeah. Aren't you? No. I can see why they took you off last week. Yeah, shite. I really, I really enjoyed that. It never <laughs> yeah. failed to make me laugh. So, 
yeah, yeah. But I think to your point, uh, you know, it's it's not like uh, it's not an Oscar-winning performance or anything, but he definitely he gets the job done with the off-field stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought he was fine. I thought he was entertaining at least. He was believable. He looked, he acted like a footballer. He didn't act like, um, I mean, he looked like he belonged, didn't he, in the team and in the, that sort of environment. So I thought he was fine. Yeah, so Kieran, there's a couple of uh, actors who were originally slated to play a couple of these main roles um, away from Kuno Becker and uh, I think, yeah, someone for, for another character, but I'm not quite sure. But you have the names of those actors and, uh, yeah, no, how close they pro- probably came to being in this movie. Yeah, so like I said before, G- uh, Diego Luna could have played um, uh, Kuno Becker's role, he could have played Santiago Munez. He dropped out and then apparently... Kuno Becker called him up to ask why he dropped out before he took the role. So I really love to know what that conversation was like because he would have had a good reason. And then Stellan Skarsgård was um was supposed to play the coach, I think. He's Stellan Skarsgård is from Avengers um and uh, Ronan and yeah, he's in June. Oh yeah, he's in June. Yeah, Stellan Skarsgård is one of these one of these like brilliant character actors. He's just been around for ages and um yeah, he would have brought some gravitas to this movie, but. Um, he dropped out when the director was fired because he said the only reason he wanted to do the movie was to work with the original director. So um, it would have been a completely different movie, it's fair to say, if he was in it. Um, the guy who plays the coach is fine, but, yeah, Stellan Skarsgård would have just... Um, he was coming off Goodwill Hunting in, that, in this era, so he would have just bought so much of this movie. Um, yeah, I mean, I wonder if Diego Luna can play. That's what I, I thought when I, when I heard about this because, I mean, he's a Mexican guy, isn't he? So... There's every chance that he would have grown up playing at some level, even at school. So he might have been, um, it might have been, it might have been a fair bit better movie with Jagger Liner and Stellan Skarsgård in it. Yeah, um, two things to what you said just then, Kieran. Um, Stellan Skarsgård definitely would have brought some gravitas to this movie. Um, it would have raised everyone's acting performances just up a notch, which I really think this movie needed. And the guy that played the manager, he came off like a bit of a home brand version of Arsene Wenger to me. So that was, uh, yeah. It, I thought it was, was Sandra uh, Goren Erickson. <laughs> yeah, maybe a, maybe a, just a home brand mash of those two, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like, uh, yeah, Stellan's Gaskard would have been good in this movie. I don't know if, like, he would have been better than um, the current or the coach that was in this movie or not. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe on like, you know, maybe I might not be able to see him as like a head coach of a f- football team, but maybe like, you know, an assistant coach or something. Like he still has like, you know, he still like, you know, could have the projection of being a coach. I just don't think like the main coach role. And so, you know, like I don't think it would have like taken away too much of the film if he did have that role. But um, that's just where I probably would have like slotted him um, if he could work in the role um, or in this movie alongside the actor that did play the coach. Yeah, I think anyway, you, you swing this movie if it, it all it all rests on Kuno Becker's shoulders, doesn't it? And yeah, I mean, if you can have Stellan Skarsgård in there, you have Kuno Becker, it's still going to suck. But <laughs> and that's just that's just the way it is. He's just not able to carry the movie. So yeah, poor kid. <laughs> poor kid poor us we had to watch the movie <laughs> he, got, he got sacked from his own series well the third one if you haven't seen the third one right i got i remember watching it it didn't even show at the cinema the second one showed at the cinema the third one went straight to video so i bought this thing from safeway and i watched it and i remember watching it with a couple of friends of mine who sat through the first two with me we were getting we were all getting 
you could feel people getting irritated in the room and then it turned into just shouting at the TV going, what the f- is this movie? What are we watching? Because they followed Santiago through the first two movies and by the third one's at the World Cup and he's done his knee at the start of the movie or he's broken his leg. He's injured throughout the whole movie. He's just injured. And you're following these other two guys that his manager also represents. And, and that's the movie. But it doesn't spell this out for you. It's not until like the movie's over where you realise it wasn't actually about Santiago at all. They've just benched him for his own like part in his trilogy. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. Of like, yeah, they shouldn't have made the third one. Like, why even do that? Why? I, mean, I guess I had to like pay out his contract. But it would have been cheaper than to do that than to make the movie. This goes back to the mess of a trilogy. Yeah, don't plan a trilogy when you haven't made your first movie yet. Yeah, 100%. Good advice. Very good advice. All right, well, our next prompt, we've talked about the cast and their acting performances, but the next prompt asks if there is a relatable character to you in this movie. So, Stewie, Kieran, was there anyone like that for you within this movie? I kind of like the reserve coach, the guy who's in The Departed. I don't know his name, but I liked him. I can't put my finger on why, but his character was likable. I think he's a good actor. Um, yeah, yeah. I reckon that guy was all right. Yeah, I was like Alan Shearer. <laughs> Gun striker, doesn't get to take penalties in his own team. That's me. <laughs> That's a much better answer. How about you, Jace? What do you got? Oh, gosh. How can I top that? Uh... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like um, I may be Santiago just in terms of, like, the family aspects, um, you know, like, defiance of family, wanting to do what, um, you know, he wants sort of thing, um, chasing a dream, um, you know, doing everything that you can and maybe getting into some trouble along the way. Who can't relate to that? Yeah. So that would have been a really good story if they, they sort of stuck on that and stopped just throwing random stuff to him. And if they had a good actor and good director and a better story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Like, even the little things in this movie like, get to me. Like, when, when he's in the gym and he gives the machine over to Alan Shearer, wipe down your machine, Santiago. You're the new kid at the club. That's Alan Shearer. You can't give him that machine without. You got have some. Like, that's a Ballon d'Or second place winner. If that's the greatest striker in English history up to that point. He's going to, like, go, sorry, and just give him your sweaty machine. All right, we've come to the end of the episode now where we ask an all-important prompt. If you can have a football movie get made, what would it be and why? Kieran, we'll get your answer first. Oh, I think we're going to cover it soon, aren't we? It's going to be um, um, Mike Bassett. <laughs> if, I, if I could get a, get a football movie made, it would be the sequel to that. Okay. <laughs> nice. Well, yes, definitely look out for that episode next week. That's a sneak preview. But, uh, Stewie, what's your... Uh, film idea Kieran mate you're uh, you're still in the thunder you're giving all the good answers at least go to me first so you know <laughs> I can go I, I don't have to follow these these superb answers next week I will okay <laughs> and you know as everyone knows I'm just buying time because I've given this no thought at all um listen I'm just gonna go a full homer pick and just say uh Liverpool winning the Premier League for the first time in 30 years just uh start at their last league win, um, the downfall, the further downfall, the rise, the downfall, and then the rise to the Premier League champions. That's uh, that's my movie. You could call it the slip. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, my film idea, um, you know, it's sort of uh, based on, I guess, the character of Gavin Harris, maybe. Um, you know, just because in the movie they mentioned that like he's played at a couple of different teams. You know, he hasn't had a long stint at a couple at uh, you know teams throughout his uh, I think five year career um, that it was already. I think he mentioned they mentioned like three teams in five years or something like that. Um, my film idea would uh, look at someone who plays for every single team in a competition over their career, maybe just has like one year contracts, every single team, you know, maybe they might have like a 20 year career, but you know, only one at each team. But um, I think that that would just be really funny. Like you obviously see a lot of people who are like, you know, three club players, four club players, five club players. I don't know what the um, most teams that someone has played for in any particular league or competition is, but my film idea is one person who plays for everyone. Can I can I add to that? Okay. That book exists. Oh. There's a guy in Brazil called the Kaiser. That's not his real name. Now they give each other nicknames in Brazil. He's played for most of the, the top flight teams and a bunch of second division teams, but he's never actually played a game. He just talks his way into contracts at each club and, and trains, but he never he's never played a played a competitive match. He just takes his pay and everyone loves him. Like like his professional stars of the Brazilian game love this guy because he's just a great person to have around the dressing room. But no one's ever actually seen him play a game of football. But he's, he keeps signing for different teams. It's called he's called the Kaiser. <laughs> Maybe my film idea is about him. Yeah, uh, you I two mean, need to get together and make this happen. I want this, to watch this. This should this be movie. a movie, guaranteed. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> All right. Well, that does now mark the end of the episode. So, Kieran Stewie, would you like to share your social media handles and any other avenues or platforms where our listeners can find you? Oh uh, yeah, I'm on, on Twitter uh, under at Captain Yap, K-A-P-T-I-N-Y-A-P, and on Instagram at Kieran Yapson Writes. So um, you can find all my stuff there. Uh, you can find me at Stewie is Sick of It on Twitter and at Stewie the Sports Guy on Instagram and TikTok. You can also hear me on the soon-to-be-released Australian World Cup podcast, part of the Edge Crowd Podcast Network. It's a great podcast network. That is right. The soon-to-be-released Australian World Cup podcast. You can find them on Twitter at Australian WC Pod. Uh, listen to them all throughout the FIFA World Cup. Where can we find you, Jason? That's what everyone wants to know. Thanks, Joey. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Jace Irves. You have been listening to Goals on Film. You can find Goals on Film on Twitter and Instagram at Goals on Film Pod. Goals on Film is part of the Edge of the Crowd network. You can find Edge of the Crowd on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and TikTok at Edge of the Crowd. You can also view any of our stories about sport, culture, or politics on our website, www.edgeofthecrowd.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. <laughs>